Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am the tech editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he often does on these occasions when I have to speak into this microphone, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> nice. And um, we are going to talk today about being productive. Something we know a lot about. Here at HowStuffWorks.com, we produce lots of things. Blogs, podcasts, articles, BS, you name it, <laughs> we produce it. Uh, but we don't tend to use online productivity software, which is really what we wanted to talk about today. Uh, in fact, uh, I, we have to thank our guest producer, Tyler. We call him guest producer because we never know who's going to produce our shows. Uh, he's the one who actually came up with the title for this one about online productivity software. How can I be productive online? Well, there are a lot of companies out there that have provided tools to do that, and it's really marking a, a shift in computing. Back in, uh, you know, the, the traditional route would be to have this kind of software natively on your machine and you would use it there and save all your work there. Uh, we're starting to see all that shift over to the cloud. And so, uh, it's, it's one of those applications, cloud computing applications that's really easy to point to and say, Hey, this is what we mean when we talk about cloud computing. Yes, uh, if you're not familiar with the term cloud computing, uh, you probably haven't been listening to our podcasts very often because we talk about it quite frequently. Um, cloud computing is, um, sort of a, 
relatively new thing that's really gone on over the past few years, or at least it, not new outright. I would say adopted more often uh, than it had been in the past because it's been made popular by high-speed internet connections. Rather than using your computer's hard drive to store applications and files, um, this can all be done now on a server in some location. In fact, uh, often frequently backed up, so there are many, many copies of the applications and files that you would normally keep on your hard drive out there in what they call the cloud. And you probably make use of some of these sort of applications already, things like email. There are a lot of web-based email applications out there. We're talking about things like Hotmail, Yahoo, Mm -hmm. Gmail. Mm -hmm. In a way, you can think of those as cloud computing because those messages are – they they live, if you will, on a server that could be hundreds or thousands of miles away from you. Uh, But you're able to access them through a browser. So the browser is acting as your user interface, but you're really tapping into messages that are – Quite a quite a ways away. Yes, um, and that's the funny thing about the productivity software that we're going to talk about in just a moment here. Um, unlike email and services like Dropbox, Box.net, um, those that that serve as a cloud storage device, um, this is this is the kind of thing that that you're going to notice a lot more easily because um, rather than opening up a, an icon on your desktop, you're going to go and do everything. Really, through your web browser. Mm-hmm. Um, so, where you, uh, whereas you might do your word, you know, word processing in a separate program from the uh, the program that you would use for your spreadsheets. Now you're just doing everything in Internet Explorer or Mozilla Firefox or Google Chrome. Um, in some cases, Safari. Yeah, if you're the poor, unfortunate soul oh, using Safari. Safari hater. Um, so, uh, so let's get started. How did how did all of this Really take off. I mean, it's 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 not something that just happened with the uh, the dawn of the new decade. No, no. Let's. Uh, well, first of all, you got to look at traditional productivity software. When we're talking productivity software, we're we're talking about a, a specific kind of um, suite of applications that people, usually within office environments, rely upon on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So things like document uh, word processing programs, spreadsheet programs, presentation programs, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes some other like file management systems, things like that. That's really what we're looking at here. And uh, and as we said before, most of the time uh, back in the, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, these were programs that existed on your computer. Everything existed there. If you wanted to send someone something from your computer, you essentially created a copy of it. Mm-hmm. And send it to them. So uh, uh, then that you would have two copies of the same document out. That's going to be important later on when we get into collaboration. Yes. Um, but uh, that's kind of the model that that everyone was uh, used to. Cloud computing moves all of these over into the cloud. These these applications, like Chris said, are hosted on a on other machines. And you can access these applications through your browser. In some cases, you may also have to download and install. A, uh, a tool on your desktop to um, to be able to access and interface with these these applications. Not all of them are solely cloud computing applications. Mm-hmm. Some of them are kind of hybrids. Right. Uh, but in general, everything you access and save and uh, and and rely upon is going to be on other machines that you can tap into at any time. How, how it came about is well, it's kind of a, a gradual evolution, really. One of the earliest, I would say. Uh, I mean, 
you can argue that there were tons of different ones that, that came out before this. Mm-hmm. But one of the ones that was, that really kind of made a big splash as far as online productivity software goes, it was uh, Google Docs and Spreadsheets, which eventually just became Google Docs. Right. Now, part of that is just because it had the name Google behind it. Anything that has the name Google behind it has uh, a certain amount of momentum already because, I mean, it's an enormous company, mm-hmm. right? Right. Another part is that Google did what it does really well in that they look out for other uh other applications, other companies out there that do something really well that they want to do, and then they go out and buy them. Yes. So uh, I know there are a lot of other companies that that did the whole cloud uh, online productivity software stuff before Google did, but most of those got bought by Google or <laughs> or ended up dying out because of Google. And and in some cases uh, were bought out by competitors. That's true. Um, the the one that that really I think kicked it off for Google. Was rightly, yeah. Um, which was an acclaimed uh, word processor, uh, online only word processor. Um, and at the time, uh, which was I would say in the mid nineties, probably around ninety. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry, mid two thousands, early two thousands. Um, when it first came out, I apologize for that. Um, you know, people were talking about this because it was it was sort of a, a new concept. People were really entrenched with. Uh, uh, the Microsoft Office Suite, and uh, this was this did online cloud word processing very very well. It was an awesome tool, and then Google acquired it, and people were talking about what Google was going to do with it. Well, it wasn't long after that that they added the spreadsheet application to make it. Uh, you know, they started calling it as the uh, media will a Microsoft Office killer. Right. Which uh, you may have noticed that Microsoft Office has not been killed yet, despite um, despite some legal setbacks, which I guess we can talk about in a minute, too, because we may see more of a focus put toward online productivity software simply because of uh, some uh, some legal issues that Microsoft is currently facing with the whole word situation. Sure. Um, but sure. I, I can get into that a little bit later. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And it also was what? Changed Google Docs to Google Docs and spreadsheets, yes. which meant that people started calling it Google Docs and spreadsheets. I do have a uh, spreadsheet that includes many small dogs. Uh, some of them dog. are dogsons. They, they are long dogs. Yes, though they are small. Get along, little doggy. That's right. They yes. So um, anyway, yes, the wiener dogs. But uh, and eventually Google dropped the spreadsheets bit, so now it's just Google Docs. Even though it does contain um, applications for both. Not just both. I'm sorry. Applications for word processing, spreadsheets, and presentations. Well, they acquired other companies too to uh, to fill out the the uh, portfolio, and That's right. including uh, you know Zenter and Tonic Systems. Um, and really, when you think about it, when you look back up and look at the whole Google Docs picture, they really have everything you will need to to uh, you know the business tools that you need because they've got Gmail for email. You've got your calendar. Mm-hmm. You've got Word processing, presentation software, uh, you've got, um, your spreadsheets. You've also got other tools too, like Google Wave. So it really does all these different pieces, some of which were acquired, some of which were built in house. You know, they're very helpful to work with people collaboratively. When, and that's one of the n- unique things that Google brings to the table is the collaboration aspect. Right. Well, it used to be unique. I would argue that there are a lot of other online productivity software suites out there now that are building their entire marketing strategy behind the collaborative nature of online computing. Um, so when we're talking about collaborative, 
like I said before, when you were working on a, a document that was on a native word processing uh, application on your computer and you wanted someone else to look at it, you know, you might send them in an email or whatever, but they would get a copy of your document. Mm-hmm. The original would still sit on your computer. Now, what if that person were to look at that document, make changes and then send it back to you? Well, there are a couple of different ways you could incorporate those changes within your own document. You could just accept the new document as the new master and, mm-hmm. and you get rid of the old one. Uh, you could compare the two and then make changes on a change-by-change basis. Uh, but it was just kind of a clunky way of handling it, especially if you were doing a collaborative effort with multiple people. Now you're, not, now you're looking at four or five different versions of the same document circulating out there and then maybe coming back totally changed from what you started with. And then then it gets really kind of complex. Well, the nice thing about Google Docs and some other online productivity software out there, uh, I mean, Office Live does this. Mm-hmm. Um, Microsoft you know, Office Live. Yes, Microsoft Office Live. Mm-hmm. So Microsoft is in this game too, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Zoho does this. ThinkFree does this. There are a lot of different online productivity software suites that allow online collaboration. Well, in this case, everyone's working from the same master document. It mm-hmm. exists on the in in a certain account and P, and the person who owns that account who created that document can designate who and who cannot um who can and who cannot access that document right and in some cases you might have multiple levels of access it might be these people can read the document but they can't make any changes or these people can make changes but they can't invite anyone else mm-hmm. and then you might ultimately get to okay well this person can make changes can approve changes and can also invite new people to participate within the collaboration yes so when you do this when people make the changes it goes to the master document everyone can see the changes and um, most of them have a a way of being able to review over time what changes have been made. Google Docs yes. in particular makes this pretty easy where you can uh, you know if you get a if you've if you created a document and then five other people have been working on it and you haven't looked at it in a couple of days, it can get really confusing when you're looking at it like, okay, well, who made what change? When did it happen? Um, do I really, that one paragraph I liked is gone now. Do I want to try and bring it back? If I do, you know, when did it go away? Yeah. You can actually review the, the series of changes and see where that happened and, uh, and decide whether or not it makes sense to reincorporate that text. And one of the neat things, uh, that Google added to its Google Docs that made a few headlines when, when they did was the ability to work on for more than one person to work on the same document at the same time. Mm -hmm. And Google docs would be able to, uh, keep track of what was going on, uh, in both instances. So rather than having to lock someone else out, say, okay, well, Bob needs to work on this. Bob's checked it out. No one else can touch it until Bob checks it back into the, to the system. Um, which is a nice way of handling it. But this is even more elegant because it can it can identify what each person does to the document, and therefore no one's losing anything. And you know the the stuff that you just spent half an hour on doesn't get overwritten simply because the system can't handle uh, multiple people making changes to it at the same time, which is very very nice. Right. Um, another issue you may think about when uh, when we're ta- talking about online productivity software is what happens if you don't have an internet connection? Mm -hmm. So there are going to be times where that happens, where you're not going to have access. Maybe you're on a flight that doesn't have Wi-Fi yet, or maybe you're just in an area of, you know, town where you have no access. Um, Or maybe the truck down the street hit the fiber optic connection and 
There it goes. Maybe your neighbors finally got wise and actually put a password on their <laughs> Wi-Fi. There's that I'm too. I'm just saying it happens. It's true. Um, so what do you do then? Do you just say, oh, well, I guess I have to wait till I get back in the office before I can work on this? Well, mm-hmm. most of these, these uh, solutions have incorporated some form of uh, synchronization software where you can work on a document offline – and you can make changes to it. You can save it. And then when you reconnect to the Internet, it will automatically incorporate those changes within the document mm-hmm. uh, online. Now, of course, this could also cause some issues because what if you have multiple people working offline and then they all reconnect? And um, I think ultimately you have to have some sort of document management uh, hierarchy in place where perhaps the person who created the document ultimately makes the decision of which changes go in and which ones don't mm-hmm. because then it gets a little complex if you were to have maybe four or five people working on something. Now, and that I don't think that necessarily happens that often. Perhaps you have a group of consultants working on a project or maybe you've got uh, several reporters all working on, say, a school paper, uh, working on it within Google Docs perhaps. Then I could see where that might cause problems. But in most cases, you're, that's going to be kept to a, a minimum. And like I said, it's Google Docs. They did this with uh, Google Gears. That was their their Google Labs thing, where mm-hmm. you could actually access uh, a lot of functionality on Google um, within their productivity suite, just even if you weren't connected. But other ones do it too. Office Live has their version, uh, you know, and Zoho and. Uh, so everyone's kind of come up with their own solution to this problem mm-hmm. so that, you know, you don't feel like, well, if I lose Internet, does that mean I lose my ability to work on whatever I was working on? Yeah. Yeah. It's true enough. So um, there are lots and lots of uh, things you can do. I mean, the uh, I think I can think of four or five uh, in particular whole suites of uh, applications most of them managed by big companies. Like, uh-huh. of course, there's Google Docs. There's yep. Microsoft Office Live. Yep. Um, the, another one we talked about just now, uh, we haven't really gotten into in depth, was Zoho, which yeah. is independent. And they have an amazing array of online productivity software. Yes, yes. It's, I mean, it's all huge. kinds of tools, uh, notebook, contact manager, um, all kinds of uh, they have a, great a, stuff. a business group mm-hmm. um, application, which actually groups uh, the most common applications together into a single user interface. Uh and they have plans on eventually allowing third-party applications to um, uh, third parties to submit applications to their to their business groups application. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that let's say that you know you could really use a special kind of of a news reader that isn't in this, and it's almost like replacing your desktop. Yeah. Um, now, as far as I can tell, they haven't implemented any third-party apps yet, but it's something that's in the plans. Um, and it's the nice thing about Zoho and actually for most of these online productivity software solutions, it's free for people to use if they're mm-hmm. using it on an individual basis. Yes. It's only when you get into organizations like companies or, you know, nonprofit organizations or whatever that you have to start looking at a subscription policy. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Zoho's like, all right, well, if you're going to use it as an enterprise thing, then you're going to need to, to pay a certain fee per year to right. access all of this and, uh, and then, you know, you might get some extra little perks that, that the free users don't necessarily have access to. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, um, I'm sort of digressing for a second. I, I feel like this is this kind of software, the, the product, basic productivity software is, this, is just something that people expect to see now as part of their, 
uh, their computer suite. You know, you have your yeah. operating system, you have email, you have the web browser, and you have something that'll let you write a letter to somebody and, you know, do some basic, uh, basic productivity type work. And I think that's why these, these programs are coming down. You know, it's possible, uh, you know, Microsoft is also offering, uh, less expensive, like a home version of Office now where it hadn't before. Yeah, you know, should- you had to, to fork over quite a bit of cash before to, if you wanted a, the whole Office suite. Right. And we, we should point out also that in general, these online, uh, applications tend to be a little, they don't have all the features and bells and whistles that you'll find in a desktop application. Um, not, not really. Not all of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll, like, like, I, if you were to go back to your desk and open up Microsoft Word on your desk, mm-hmm. you would have access to way more functions that you're going to get than if you access the online version. Yeah. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean these are vital functions. They may be functions that you never use. Uh, maybe that all the, the ones that you have come to depend upon are fully covered within the online version. Mm-hmm. But if you're a power user, if you're someone who's using like those really obscure functions that no one else in the world ever uses, then moving to an online software, uh, uh, kind of, uh, uh, environment may not be the best choice. Yep. Um, but I mean, th- that whole, that whole thing is improving anyway on online. I mean, you're, you're seeing like these, Suites get more and more functionality as time goes on, and we yeah. would expect to see that. So, uh, and again, I think a lot of these companies are really starting to put their weight behind o- their online presence and kind of take the focus away from the hardware stuff. Because mm. look at what's selling. You got netbooks that are selling really well. Sure. And now you've got smart books coming out. These are devices that are not necessarily capable of running these, um, these, uh, these applications natively, right? Like especially things for presentations that can take up a lot of, of uh, memory, uh, depending on how complex it is. But by putting it on the web, suddenly you don't need a powerful machine to build these these presentations because it's doing all the work for you. And you don't need the hard drive space in order to host the applications either. Yeah, that's a good nice. point. Google Docs, for an example, gives you a gigabyte of free storage. In fact, mm-hmm. they've opened it up now where you can, if you have a Google Docs account, you have a gigabyte of free storage that you can put anything. In. It doesn't have to be a Google Doc mm-hmm. to, to, or, you know, spreadsheet or, or presentation or whatever for it to go into there. Now, granted, uh, it can't, each individual file has to be 250 megabytes or smaller. Yes. But you can put up to a gigabyte for free mm-hmm. in there. And if you want more, then you can purchase, uh, more gigabytes for about a quarter a gigabyte per year. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, we, we took a look and it was, uh, $5 for 20 gigabytes for a full year. Five bucks. You, That's you, impressive. Five dollars, you got twenty gigabytes of online storage. Mm-hmm. Office Live, they give you five gigabytes of storage mm-hmm. with an Office Live account. So, yes. which you know is just like having any other kind of live account. Um, so that's free to sign that up too. So yeah. there's online storage has gotten to the point where you're, you're essentially the, the message they're sending is storage is cheap. It is. It is cheap. Now you have to worry about how secure it is and how accessible it is. Yep. Because if something happens with either of those services, like if you're a, a Microsoft customer and they have a problem with their servers, you may not be able to access your files. Just like if you were right. a Google customer, that's happened a couple times in the past year where Google services kind of took a little dive briefly and people freaked out because they couldn't access their Gmail or Google Docs. Um, well, they're on machines and machines break. Yes. So and they happen. are vulnerable to hacking attacks. Now, mm-hmm. uh, in general, these companies put a lot of money into keeping their, their applications secure and the yes. data secure. Mm-hmm. 
But at the same time, they're also huge targets. Mm -hmm. So they may be more secure than your native company. Let's say that your native company has got, uh, you know, maybe 150 employees total. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's a much smaller company than something like Microsoft or Google. Orders of magnitude smaller, really. Absolutely. Uh, and so let's say that your company's security isn't anywhere near Google's security or Microsoft's security. But at the same time, you're under the radar. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be a huge target for hackers like Microsoft or Google. So that's something that companies and individuals have to take into consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. We recently saw an, uh, an issue where in another country, people had their uh, information compromised because hackers attacked Google. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was just uh, account information. It wasn't specific things like documents or, or emails. But, I mean, that's something to keep in mind whenever you're look, moving to an online model. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention, too, some of the other uh, productivity software out there. Um, sure. One that's really neat and another uh, that came from an acquisition um, is – and it's kind of under the radar too. Is uh, Adobe's suite, mm-hmm. uh, which, as far as I could tell, started with the acquisition of Buzzword, which was a Flash-based um, word processing program, and absolutely beautiful. Um, here again, this is a, an example of a program that's sort of limited in features. Um, when they first acquired it, uh, Adobe didn't have a whole lot of features. You you were limited to what you could do with it, but it was absolutely fantastic to look at. And I, I went back to look for the do you know for the pro- purposes of research. And um, they've added a, a tables program and a presentations program and uh, the ability to create PDFs uh, without having to own a copy of Acrobat Pro, which is very nice. That is nice. But there are other bits and pieces out there, companies who offer productivity software that is an entire suite. Um, coming to mind uh, off the top of my head was 37 Signals. Uh, mm-hmm. If you've ever heard of Basecamp, mm-hmm. the project management software, they also have a, a client tracker called uh, HiRise. Uh, backpack, which is, uh, you know, helps you organize and uh, coordinate projects with other people and, um, you know, campfire, which allows you to chat with other people that you work with. This, these are really useful for, uh, uh, startups and small companies that are, you know, using the internet to work with one another. You know, people who say, who meet at a conference, for example, and one of them lives in San Francisco, the other in New York. They can use tools like this to share documents back and forth. Um, very, very highly regarded. Um, you know, and there are others, you know, iWork.com is Apple's, uh, sort of shadowy, not really shadowy. I mean, it's public knowledge that it's out there, but people are speculating that, uh, iWork will be more than just a way to share, uh, iWork documents between different people in the yeah, future. Uh, they've been ramping up on the, uh, data center space. Yeah. Yeah. So there's speculation that, that, that Apple might get into this space as well. Um, and all kinds of other stuff. There's too. a lot of photo editing software and video oh, editing yeah. software out there that's also online. And um, <clears throat> I was going to mention very briefly, I think this would be a good way to close, that Chris and I have worked a little bit on uh, Google Wave. Yes. Which, mm-hmm. in a way, you can kind of see Google Wave being uh, an attempt to create what will be the next generation of collaborative software, mm-hmm. where you can build documents, you can have uh, an instant message conversation between two people, you can... Uh, kind of sort of email. It sort of does all of these things all in one. The problem is right now it's still in preview mode. It's not even in beta. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I agree with it that it shouldn't be in beta yet because it's, there's just not enough functionality there. Right now, and suddenly it's, your contacts disappear without notice. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's more than just being buggy. It's just that 
there's not enough focus yet. Yeah. I think, I yeah. think it's, it's a, an amazing tool that doesn't have enough focus. So right now it's more confusing than useful. Most people, when they get wave, the first thing they think is awesome. I've got Google wave. And the second thing they think is how the hell am I supposed to use this thing? <laughs> I mean, and then like the third or fourth thing they think is, Hey, don't I have a Google wave account? <laughs> cause you, cause if you're, you know, it's, it's so confusing to the average user that I think most people quickly abandon it. But I think that could be a kind of a glimpse at what we will see a online collaborative software. Uh, I, I think that's where it's going to be moving in the future. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like I'd be remiss because I just thought of this as we were talking, um, about a very unusual suite of cloud computing software because it's not the typical productivity software that you would think of, but I was thinking of aviary. Right. Are you, are you, right. Um, yeah. Yep. It's a, uh, if you've, because, um, when you were talking about how other, there are other ways to, uh, other types of, uh, image editing software, aviary, um, is strictly where, where Adobe offers a version of Photoshop online right. as a cloud computing piece of software. Uh, aviary is strictly, um, for the creative types. Um, there's a color chooser. There is a, an image editor, uh, a vector illustrator. Um, they've even offered the beginning offer, um, a sound editing program, very much like you might see, uh, in GarageBand where you mm-hmm. can edit tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's free to get started with it. Uh, but there are certain things that become available to you. Um, the idea is it's sort of a social media project too, because you can share tracks with other people and images with other people. But if you want to keep your stuff private, you have to be a paid account holder. Right. Um, so so if it's you don't kind of a different mind everything model. you create being immediately appropriated by everybody else. Go ahead. But it's fantastic stuff though. I've, you know, I've played around with it some and you're going, how do they make these tools available to you in a web browser? Um, yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Well, it's and we're seeing more and more um, a move toward having a web browser based operating system. The Google yep. Chrome OS is going to be that. So clearly these sorts of, uh, of, Services will be necessary in order to make those those machines that are running that kind of operating system mm-hmm. a useful machine. Otherwise, you've just got, you know, a, a bunch of chips that don't really do anything. Um, well, I think this was a really good conversation yeah. on productivity software. I mean, again, it sounds like it's kind of a dry topic, but this is for a lot of our listeners, uh, you guys who are in in uh, middle school and high school in particular. This is the sort of stuff that's probably going to be affecting you as you enter the workforce. A lot of these these software suites. Um, are probably going to be things that, that companies start to rely on more heavily in the future, especially new companies. Mm-hmm. Older companies tend to hang on to older software longer because it's just, they've got so much stuff invested in that. But for newer companies, I think this is one of those things we're going to see a lot more of. We're going to see more people kind of move to this online, uh, approach. So keep your eyes open, get a little familiar with them. Most of them have, uh, the availability for you to have a free account. And, uh, or at least a trial. Yeah. You know, that with even, limited features. Even for things like study groups and stuff, mm-hmm. I think it's really, really handy. Um, but oh, yeah, yeah take a look at it because this stuff is, uh, this will be important later on. Trust me. I know. <laughs> I was in that world for seven years and then I was free. <laughs> so if any of you have any questions, comments, suggestions, anything like that, send us an email. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Chris and I are going to get a little productive here and try and work on our next podcast. So we'll talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com.
Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to Brand New on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.